Welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity, a show about weirdos, with your hosts, John Fahey, Aaron Peter, and Matt Brutzone. Hello, folks. John from Profiles and Eccentricity here. Just wanted to uh, interrupt our two-part on Houdini this week because this Friday, Cocaine Bear is in theaters everywhere from Universal Pictures and Elizabeth Banks, National Treasure. And we wanted to go back all the way to our eighth episode where Aaron um, told this true story um, that the movie is based on in episode eight, April, uh, excuse me, December 7th. 2017 um and so up first we're gonna um play that segment um and this is uh the first time aaron told us the story about the famous cocaine bear pablo escobar aaron i believe you have a little bit of animal eccentricity to tell me about john ask me if a bear shits in the woods does a bear shit in the woods oh yeah especially if it's on cocaine is that a fact? Oh, bear coke shits? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, to tell you the story of Pablo Escobar, Oh, I've got to tell you a quick story about one Andrew Thornton II. Okay. And it's going to lead, don't worry, there is a bear on cocaine. Sounds okay? like a good Anglo guy. Oh, this guy's an old-fashioned Kentucky blue blood. Ooh, okay. Okay, so this guy grows up kind of Kentucky royalty. I don't know, probably slave money, tobacco, who who, who knows? But that kind of guy. Kentucky gentleman. Mm-hmm, sipping on, you know, mint juleps. Oh, yeah, that's That's more Georgia, maybe. Yeah. Kentucky royalty, kind of a pain in the ass as a kid, goes to military school. Uh, From there, goes into the Army. From the Army, he becomes a narcotics officer. He's still kind of a troublemaker, kind of an asshole. Mm. Uh, so he gets out of that, becomes a lawyer, and then uh, gets caught trying to steal weapons from an army base. Okay. Because uh, he's going to do some smuggling, arms deal, drug deal stuff. Gets out of that because he's, you know, he is somebody and white. So he gets out of that with just like a fine instead of any serious prison time. Uh, but in 1985, he's smuggling cocaine mm-hmm. from Colombia into the States. What, 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 I'm sorry, what year is this? This is 1985. Okay, sorry. So, but all, you know, everything before that was before 1985. That's how, sure. t- that's how time works. But yeah. 1985, he's smuggling some blow mm-hmm. uh, in an airplane. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in those days, I guess what you do, not that I know about this, but you, you drop the Coke mm-hmm. and then you, you know, land the plane or you bail, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And you retrieve it later. So he jumps out of the plane, but his parachute gets all fucked up and tangled. Oh, boy. And so he, you know, he falls and plummets to his, I'm sure, terrifying death. Uh, His body was found with night vision goggles on, a bulletproof vest, and Gucci loafers. Jesus Christ. For, like, how much money? Like, a couple of grand? Oh, no. 75 pounds of cocaine, which then was $15 million. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's worth dying. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Gucci loafers don't buy themselves, dude. <laughs> uh, so three months later, out right down yonder in the Chattahoochee, four oh, reels. Oh, wow. People come across a dead black bear. Is that right? Oh, yeah. And around, strewn around this dead black bear is like 40, uh, 40 open plastic containers with traces mm-hmm. of cocaine. Here's the uh, here's the the newspaper blurb of when this happened. Hell yeah. 
A 175-pound black bear apparently died of an overdose of cocaine after discovering a batch of the drug, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation said today. The cocaine was apparently dropped from a plane piloted by Andrew Thornton, a convicted drug smuggler who died September 11th, never forget, in Knoxville, <laughs> Tennessee, because he was carrying too heavy a load <laughs> while parachuting. Yeah. The Bureau said the bear was found Friday in northern Georgia among 40 opened con- plastic containers with traces of cocaine. But wait, there's more. It's the, the guy who did the, the animal autopsy <laughs> said... Its stomach was literally packed to the brim with cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) They cut it open and just... It's a frat party in there. Yeah. There isn't a mammal on the planet that could survive that. (laughs) (laughs) Amphibians, maybe. Who knows? But a mammal, not a chance. There isn't a mammal on the planet that could survive that. Cerebral hemorrhaging, (laughs) respiratory failure, hyperthermia, renal failure, heart failure, stroke, you name it. That bear had it. (laughs) Oh, my. It died of everything. Yeah. It fucking died of partying, dude. (laughs) Uh, So it was that bear because it was, you know, you can't just, I mean, that's just too crazy of a of an animal to like bury or incinerate or whatever so it got like st- it got stuffed and it was in i guess like the uh the forest museum or was it was property of of the municipality as, as like a as a novelty right as a, <laughs> as a curiosity a taxidermied cokehead bear yeah uh and then there was like a fire and so it had to get evacuated out and i, I don't know what happened it got stolen or lost track of but apparently it was bought by Waylon jennings Hell yeah. Yeah, and I guess he knew the Andrew Thornton guy. Oh, God. Uh, Yeah, dude. uh, He's involved with everything. Yeah, he's just got his fucking finger and everything. And uh, and so I don't know what happened to it after that. Oh, you know where it is now? It's now on display somewhere in Kentucky, some, you know, kind of museum thing. But it's got its it's stuff and it has this, like, plaque around its neck. And it and it says Cocaine Bear, aka Pablo Escobar. Oh, oh God, that's good. Here sits Cocaine Bear. In 1985, Cocaine Bear was found dead in the Chattahoochee National Forest. He overdosed on 40 kilos of cocaine dropped by Andrew Thornton. You might remember Andrew from the Blue Grass Conspiracy. Don't do drugs, or you'll end up dead and maybe stuffed like poor Cocaine Bear. So I guess you can read about this Andrew Thornton guy in a book called The Blue Grass Conspiracy. Really? Yeah. And, that uh, sounds uh, that sounds pretty good. That's pretty interesting. I like that stuff. Cocaine bear. Yeah, this Thornton guy might need to be profiled. Maybe. I mean, its stomach was literally filled to the <laughs> brim with cocaine. <laughs> Can you imagine being that coke and bear? Like there, there's there's the, no one to talk to. All right. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> And you're you're now beyond other bears. You're on a whole new oh, you're level. A super bear, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're an Uber bear. Yeah, you're on a whole new level, and like uh, you're not going back to a, all that other shit. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Do, have you seen pictures of the bear? No, I think I, I saw some. Can you imagine the expression on the bear's face? I saw a huge smile. <laughs> Just eyes shocked, never gonna hibernate again. <laughs> like, uh, we're gonna open a honey farm. <laughs> Great bear business ideas. That is pretty great stuff. Mm-hmm. That that's how you know cocaine is a great drug. Yeah. Would animals take to it like that? Yeah, oh, and yeah. like it sounds like there was no coke left over. Oh no, he fucking <laughs> of course he did it all for himself. Classic <laughs> coke user. 
Mother. <laughs> I know. They're known hot it is, female yeah. bears to yeah. trick into having sex with them by giving them coke. Yeah, I mean, really, the bear gets on board with do all of it. Yeah, would do all of it. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? It's there. You've, your stomach holds forty kilos, apparently. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and he wasn't just like snorting it because he doesn't have know that or no. have dollar bills or a you know <laughs> or a mirror <laughs> to to reflect on what he's becoming <laughs> while he's doing all of it. So he becomes self aware. <laughs> He's eating it. Yeah, yeah. He, like he, how numb must his giant mandibles have been? Yeah, just gummy doll. Yeah, Jesus. Oh God, I'd love to see that. Yeah, fuck. Cocaine bear, man. That is incredible. Yeah, isn't that funny? I can't believe a bear would want to eat all that coke. I mean, how I can't eat anything when I do it. <laughs> <laughs> It's Can you like... imagine the ferocious shit this bear took? Can you imagine this guy cutting open this bear and being like, Oh, Jack! What the fuck is going on? Resell like, that. Yeah. What is this? I'll try it out. He's rubbing it on his... It's fucking coke, dude. No, you know that guy was like, There's only 39 kilos left. <laughs> I mean, what, what a scene. Just a, a million opened bags, a dead guy, and a dead bear. <laughs> A guy wrapped in a parachute with Gucci loafers and a a bear just... That's what that DiCaprio movie should have been. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Pablo Escobar. It's a combo of Wolf of Wall Street and uh, whatever the fucking bear movie is. And we're back. Okay. So now uh, what we figured we would do here... Um, Aaron goes a little bit more into the story of um, Andrew C. Thornton II, who is, of course, the guy who was smuggling the cocaine that the bear found um, famously. Uh, And so this is from actually us uh, live at the Hollywood Hotel, April 11th, 2018. This episode came out, um, Profiles in Eccentricity Live. um, And we figured uh, if, you know, you came here for the cocaine bear, maybe you want to stick around and hear two of the other smaller profiles where Matt and myself... um, also tell two pretty off-the-wall stories. So check this out. This is uh, Profiles in Eccentricity Live from 2018. Go check out Cocaine Bear. Uh, It is everywhere uh, February 24th, 2023. Okay, this is only, I guess, kind of related. Maybe it's related. But do you guys remember, have any of you listened to the episode about Pablo Escobar, the cocaine bear? All right. This one has a little bit to do with that. Yeah. And I want you to picture something. I want you to picture yourself as an old man or a woman or non-binary whatever, but you're old. And you're in your house in Tennessee in the morning, and you walk out your driveway in your loafers or your Crocs or whatever. (laughs) It's 1985, so probably, like, you know, moccasins. Classic 85. <laughs> Classic 85. And you walk out and you find the mangled body of a man wearing night vision goggles, a bulletproof vest, an undeployed parachute, and a duffel bag filled with 80 pounds of cocaine. <laughs> Woo! Yes. Yes. Try it and out. Gucci loafers. <laughs> 
If you're going out, yeah, go out in style. Um, the mangled body belonged to Andrew Thornton II, born in 1944 to a wealthy blue blood Kentucky family, big in the horse breeding business. Mm. They had a stud farm. Hey. hey, so did my family. <laughs> <It's cool. laughs> 70 miles away from this dude's body, forest rangers find a crash plane in the side of a mountain with another 80 pounds of cocaine strewn along in a daisy chain like Hansel and cocaine fucking Gretel in the forest. <laughs> anyway, so the body belongs to Andrew Thornton, and um, he was born in 1944 in Lexington, Kentucky. And like most rich kids, he was kind of a bitch. <laughs> he was kind of a... He was like a... You know, isn't it? He was a... Bitch. A, yeah. So his parents enroll him when he's 14 in a military, like a private military academy, and that's where he meets his future best friend and business partner, Bradley Bryant, another fellow blue blood. Uh, grandfather was like a, a mayor somewhere in Kentucky, came from money as well. Uh, and when they graduate from there, they both join the military. Bryant joins the Marines, doesn't see any action, but Andrew Thornton joins um, the Army and becomes a paratrooper. And he gets deployed in the Dominican Republic where he's like gets uh, the pair, his jump wings and the National Defense Service Medal, Armed Forces Expeditionary Medal, and the Purple Heart while he's fucking people up in the DR. What was going on in the Dominican Republic? Dude, I don't know, like baseball scouting mission? <laughs> <laughs> Is there a whole unknown war yeah, I don't know dude, about? Of course yeah. there is. In the DR? Yes. You gotta jump out of a plane to fuck up people in the Dominican <laughs> Republic. Can't just take a no, boat. try it out. Absolutely. I'm down. Uh, <laughs> so then they, they, he comes back and he and he uh you know he comes back from his mission or whatever, his right. missions. And normal life he like he goes back and starts working for the horse family and like I guess like inseminating horses isn't that exciting. So he um He's looking for some more excitement, so he starts parachuting like recreationally, gets his pilot's license, and it's still not enough for this guy. So he, um, he joins the Lexington Police Department because he still wants that action, right? And this is like just as like the beginnings of the drug war are starting, yeah. right? So this is like the 60s, late 60s, and like the youths are a little too uppity. Right. So the, the feds and the, and, and the PD start cracking down. And... Um, he was like one of the first people to volunteer for their new narcotics unit. And uh, while he's, he's working in the narcotics unit, he meets this guy, Harry Vance, also from another like higher up Kentucky family. Uh, Vance wasn't like the smartest guy in the crew, but he was like pretty and could talk and was very charming. Mm. And, um, and he joined the undercover narcotics unit. Was so there like posing as like hillbillies and like making coke or what? Like no, I think more like uh, playing the role of himself and buying lots of coke, ah. like that kind of guy. Like he's, that... he's like dropping from planes and buying coke. No, no, this is Vance. This is Vance. This is the other guy who's oh, okay. in the undercover. So Thornton is like beat narcotic cop, like Vice, right? So he just gets off on the thrill of like planting drugs on people and beating the shit out of them. <laughs> Jesus, that's Christ. his deal, right? There's not a lot of oversight. This is the beginning of the drugs war. Nobody, they all just see what they see in movies and they reenact it. So like he's just you know going out there being a cowboy. Dude, in Kentucky, anything goes, dude. I've been to Lexington. That shit is wild. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, that fucking place is still in 1985. 
<laughs> I'm serious. At best. Dude, it is old school. Yeah. So they still have a Yeah, like people would be like, some chicks are going to show up, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> no shit, you guys got chicks here? <laughs> I was, dude, it is a time warp. Seriously, if any place in America, Kentucky is back there. Let's go. Kind of. Try it out. <laughs> they have AIDS yet? <laughs> <laughs> Like, no. <laughs> so anyway, Thornton starts like you know, really getting into this role of like the renegade cop guy, right? right? So he starts stealing drugs out of the evidence locker and starts selling it on the street. He doesn't need the money. His family's rich, but he's doing it for the juice, for the buzz. Yeah, rush. yeah. exactly. <laughs> what kind of rush is there? Like knocking someone out and putting drugs on them? I mean, <laughs> what? What kind well, of? <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> What kind of what kind of rush is there? Like knocking someone out and putting drugs on him? I mean, I mean, it's I funny. Know, it's a good rush, dude. Funny. I don't know. You ever do it? <laughs> no, that's the thing. Then I you gotta probably, try that. I mean, out. You probably do some cognac and a toot too. Like, <laughs> uh, and then his buddy Vance, his Van, Vance is working now, like at the sheriff's department. He gets a job at the sheriff's department. Leaves undercover. Starts working for the sheriff. He gets fired for. Forging his boss's signature on a gun order form. They or he was ordering like hundreds of firearms to sell on the black market. Jesus Christ. So he gets fired. Uh, and you think that that would be like the end of your, your law enforcement career, but because of his like extensive contacts in the Kentucky upper class, he gets a job in the state legislature. Wait, wait, wait doing what? Is he a senator? Not yet. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so Thorne's friend from the military academy, Bryant, remember that guy? The, you know, he didn't see any action in the Marines. Bryant, in the meantime, had, like, moved east, like, east coast money area to try and, like, make connections. Mm -hmm. And um, he, had, uh, he had been making connections with, like, all these rich people. Ooh. And then he, like, went to Vegas and started, like, you know... Brown nosing, hoity toitying, <laughs> cavorting, gallivanting. Hobnobbing. Yeah, yeah, hobnobbing. That's yeah. what it is. Hobgoblin. <laughs> so Brian's hobgoblin around <laughs> in Vegas, rubbing elbows with like high rollers, whales, and mobster guys. And so he gets into like people who have the means and the desire to import massive amounts of drugs from overseas, right? So they all hook back up together again. Mm -hmm. Bryant. Vance, Thornton. The crew. The crew. Yeah. They hook up together, and in 75, they start a company mm. called Executive Protection. And it's a private security firm that, quote unquote, supplies bodyguards ah. for all of these rich Vegas types, right? All these high rollers guys. But really, it was just a front so that they could order vehicles, planes, and weapons for their new drug smuggling operation, right? right? Shop Incorporated. Boom. <laughs> They called their crew the company. Ah, oh, yeah. I like Chop Incorporated myself. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> uh, so like, it's doing so well that in 1977, Thornton resigns from the force to focus on his true passion, <laughs> jumping out of planes <laughs> with trucks. So wait, 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 hold the hold the. He resigns. He all the, for two years. He was doing it while he was a cop. Oh he was God! Smuggling drugs, and then he practiced law. I think that was also a front too. It's a little the, the details are a little uh, yeah. nebulous. What there. was that like uh, party like when he left? <laughs> like oh he's he's leaving to better things. Yeah. Yeah. Man, he's driving a Lamborghini. Man, whoo! Poor guy retiring early. 
Man, those are nice Gucci loafers. <laughs> Being uh, a cop sure is cool. Vance becomes administrative assistant to the governor of Kentucky. This is the guy that forged his boss's signature on a weapon requisition form. Becomes the administrative assistant to the governor of Kentucky. So he's Thornton's like eyes and ears in the government, right? And like they don't really hang out much so they can keep a low profile. Um, but still, like the city of Lexington starts buzzing with rumors of like there's some serious drug smuggling going on. There's corruption in the state legislature and the police department. Uh, this woman, Melanie Flynn, 24 mm. year old blonde. Irish. Disappears. <laughs> She disappears, and she's connected to this guy, Bill Kanan, who's a friend of Thornton and a member of the company. Mm. I think she saw too much. Uh-oh. She just disappears. Ooh. Um, so then Bryant, Bryant's hungry, right? Bryant, like, he, 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 he likes that. He likes being the guy. He likes being the rich guy, the hobgoblin, knobbin, brown-nosing guy, right? <laughs> So he like he's constantly he's like you know business development guy and he brings in the Chagris brothers and the Chagris brothers are like international fucking drug smugglers they have connections in Colombia for the cocaine and the Middle East for heroin they are like the guys they wear fucking cowboy hats and shit like that they're crazy but um, but Thornton's like skeptical and all these he's a little hesitant because they're under federal investigation by the Department of Justice. Wait, he's skeptical of the brothers with cowboy hats who do worldwide work. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I don't know if I want to like get all this, these eyes and ears on us, right? And they're under federal investigation. Uh, but that, like, you know, um, I don't know if they got better or worse, but somebody fucking fired an automatic rifle at the uh, prosecutor invo- uh, investigating those guys in Florida, just unloaded a clip into his Buick. Oh. Uh, but he survived. <laughs> But he survived. A month later, one of the Shaggers brothers is murdered in his own office. Trouble. Uh, so <laughs> Bryant's like, we're going to keep doing this shit. Thornton's like, uh, I don't know about that. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. Yeah. But they decide to try it out. <laughs> and uh, Thornton flies the, the company's DC-4 into South American jungles and comes back with 10 tons of weed. <laughs> 10 tons of weed. Yeah. Yeah. Tons in a plane. In a plane. That got off the ground. And then got back on it safely. <laughs> uh, $2 million worth of cargo. So they unloaded at their private... They have like their own fucking airfield in Kentucky, Bluegrass Airfield. Yeah. They unload it there. Then he takes the plane, leaves it abandoned in the forest. The cops find it. They turn it over to the DEA. They do their investigation. Um, DEA abandons the investigation. What? So this starts leading to speculation, like this Thornton got connected to the DEA. How well connected is he? Yeah. That was never really figured out. They're so rich. Other than the next fact, which Uh-oh. the judge that was presiding over the Chagris brothers case, oh, fucking assassinated. Ooh. First federal judge in a hundred years oh to be assassinated. God. Yep. Wait, wait. The- <laughs> Um, meanwhile, in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, straight up Meanwhile, in Philadelphia. <laughs> meanwhile, in Philadelphia. Ho- uh, hotel maid smells weed coming from one of the rooms. Call it. Nosy. Yeah, not my own fucking nosy. business. Yeah. I think I smell weed in there. Shut up. Cops come. Shut up. Cops come. Instead of finding some burnouts, they find $25,000 worth of cash, some weapons. <laughs> 
Wait, wait, wait. They abandoned the plane, but they didn't get two rooms? I, I think... I, dude, I don't know. I just fucking work here. Okay. Like, yeah. I think, they, I think they just, like, you know, left some shit around. I think they just forgot. Plus, hanging out is fun. Dude, fucking sure hanging is. out's the best. Uh, weapons, money, night vision goggles, and a uh, like a um, a manifest, like with mm. a list of names, and a lease. Big trouble. <laughs> Big trouble. So they go. The cops go over the lease of names, and they get. They find like the paperwork for a lease to a warehouse in Lexington, Kentucky. <laughs> okay. For those of you bumping. <laughs> In that warehouse, more like fucking tons of guns, money, drugs, more like tons of night vision goggles. Apparently, night vision goggles are this thing in 1980s, late 70s Kentucky, and these were all traced back to the China Lake Naval Facility in what California. Do you mean, what do you mean night vision goggles were a thing in Kentucky? <laughs> what do you well, mean? they found them on his dead body. They're well, in sure, but I mean, they're warehouse. a thing everywhere. You see in the dark. Oh, when was the last time you saw them besides Jurassic Park? <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was before. Was it? it was way before. I don't know. <laughs> you see in the dark. It was set in the 80s. You know, it was hot then. Dude, if, listen, if I had a pair of night vision goggles, I'd be wearing them. <laughs> I love that you're saying that coal mining Kentuckians are way into night vision goggles. <laughs> They're into weird shit. Dude. <laughs> they wear camo to Walmart. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Though. No, you're right. You ever been in a coal mine? It's dark as fuck. <laughs> Uh, okay, so where was I? All right. So then, so it, Bryant gets indicted, right? Bryant gets indicted for, like, smuggling shit out of a China Lake uh, naval facility, having all this weed, all these guns, all these goggles, mm. right? <laughs> Arrested. Not guilty. Totally not guilty. Found not guilty. People Hell yeah. Are, people Hell yeah. Get, Fuck all y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. People in Kentucky are like, what the fuck's going on? This sounds, this sounds horrible. But yep. fear not, good citizen. Six months later, he's arrested by the DEA trying to sell 800 pounds to undercover agents. No! <laughs> where's oh the, where's the other guy? Thornton? He gets indicted as well. <laughs> but he starts zipping around the, the country in his Cessna. He starts just like hopping from state to state. Now we're talking. But then he gets found out. He gets arrested wearing a bulletproof vest, night vision goggles. Uh, in North Carolina, he's carrying like a fully loaded, carrying a couple pistols. He gets arrested. He, get, he pleads no contest to a misdemeanor drug charge, and the felony charges are dropped. He only does six months in, uh, in prison and fined $500. Mm. Um, and he has his law license suspended. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, so he did his time, and he and he gets out, and he he just like goes off the rails here. He's like wasting no time. He gets in a twin engine Cessna, flies to Columbia, and, and uh, flies back overnight with two hundred pounds of cocaine, thirty-seven million dollars street value, at that point in time. He find, he, he's being tracked by the feds. Yeah. And so they're like blasting his radio, like, "Listen, fucko." Shut up! Are you serious? Yeah. In the plane? Yeah. We're They're like, we know you're there. Yeah, I think they have that technology. Then. Jesus Christ. So the turn around. So. <laughs> I think they go can, back. I think they can. The, the feds aren't there. He's like, no, I'm gonna jump out. It's a twin-engine Cessna. He can't go anywhere. Uh. So we uh. <laughs> Anyway, anyways, 
so he starts dumping loads of cocaine. Hell yeah. He's just dropping them out like the Hansel and Gretel-ish shit I was what mentioning. everywhere or like in one spot? Well, he's moving in a plane, so... So he's making a trail. Right. Right. He, right. He's just unloading it only, straps the 80-pound duffel onto his back, yeah. and jumps out of the plane. It makes you fall so much faster. <laughs> Is that because it's coke? <laughs> yeah, it's a hyper descent. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so... His body's found in the fucking Fred Meyer's driveway with 80 pounds of cocaine valued at $15 million, $4,500 in cash, knives, two pistols, Gucci loafers, and night vision goggles, and a bulletproof vest. Mm. Three months later, a dead black bear is found in the Chattahoochee <laughs> National Forest that had overdosed on 40 kilos of pure Colombian booger sugar. Yes. According to the animal coroner, its stomach was literally packed to the brim with cocaine. <laughs> there isn't a mammal on the planet that could survive that. Cerebral hemorrhaging, respiratory failure, hyperthermia, renal failure, heart failure, stroke, you name it, that bear had it. All of it. Pablo Escobar is stuffed and in a museum in Kentucky uh, yeah. for your viewing pleasure. Yes. He thus <laughs> concludes the story of Pablo Escobar and yeah. Andrew Thornton the second. Um, I got a can, story. Can we get a, a piss here, yeah, please? Can we, get, can we get a couple of... Can we get a piss round? Pisses? Please. Thank you. I don't know why they... I mean... I, Does anybody have any questions about the Pablo Escobar, <laughs> the bear that died of everything? <laughs> he died of partying, I think. The, 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 bear, the bear did die of partying. <laughs> yeah, sorry. You're exactly right. Uh, it was... Uh, I, uh, Stephen Parks, uh, one of the, the big-time profile fans, went to see Pablo Escobar in Kentucky and bought us a bunch of shirts that he's going to bring to us in May. Very, very excited. Very, very, very nice. I love shirts, and I love cocaine. I love, yeah, I love coked-up bears. I love the idea. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I love the idea that this bear was just like, more. <laughs> I'll have more. Until I'm exploding <laughs> Could you, Matt? I mean... He's just eating handfuls of it. Yeah. He just thought, like, I'm a bear. Bear claws. <laughs> bear claws. I can take a lot of coke. I'm a bear. <laughs> I got to tell you guys a story. <laughs> Could you imagine being... I mean, if he survived, what he would tell the other bears? <laughs> like, they're all going back there every you year. You think honey's the shit? Thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, they try uh, to put it on your tab to be mean, but, but you don't have one. I'm a cash business. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I uh, fell in love with this story recently about this guy that was selling all this bogus nut. Huh? <laughs> bogus nut? John, that was, please. That was your high school yearbook quote, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> this guy... <laughs> bogus, bogus he, sold, he was he was selling bogus nut for 14 years <laughs> and, and he got like 10 lawsuits because people found out who he was because like he wasn't who he was on paper <laughs> they tested his nut no no dude dude this guy is 39. His name is Chris Agalis in Athens, Georgia. He just surrendered himself to the authorities because he has been 
sued a lot <laughs> by a lot of people that got a lot of kids that thought they were getting some deluxe nut. <laughs> De nut. This guy, he was. They got some low rate counterfeit spunk. Dude, this spunk, you, you would pass bunk? it. You would. <laughs> you would some bunk it was ass spunk. spunk. <laughs> you wouldn't take this spunk off the street. <laughs> he fathered 30, 36 kids. And, and he's a total psychopath. <laughs> And they thought he was a genius! In a way, wasn't he? Yes! He was a sperm donor for the Zytex Corporation from 2000 to 2014. Zytex told their customers he was healthy. 160 IQ. That's Stephen Hawking and fucking Einstein. He's not. <laughs> he's, he's, he's the father of 19 boys and 17 girls. And he's, he said he speaks five languages. And he's working on a PhD in neuroscience engineering. But he's a college dropout, a janitor, a waiter, schizophrenic, <laughs> bipolar, narcissistic personality disorder, delusions of grandeur. So he's the president. So he's, yeah. yeah. He's got a future. He's, he's, he's telling everybody all this shit about himself. He's got DUIs. He's, he's a, a, an ex-con <laughs> from burglary, disorderly conduct. Total maniac. Total psychopath. Zytex, the corporation that was selling his nut, inadvertently revealed his email to the families. No, that was a... That was a Do you have the email address? <laughs> no. But some people are saying that Zytex was encouraging false profiling, like being like, Tell him you're a genius. <laughs> but they said that when he donated the nut, they didn't take as much as a driver's license. They did no background on this dude. And there's this piece in the Atlantic where it's a mother like hugging this kid, his kid. And she's like, oh, I can't believe my kid might be nuts. <laughs> but you bought the nut. You know what I mean? Like, don't do that. In my opinion. <laughs> Did Call you me crazy. Did she keep the receipt? You can't mail order a nut and be like, yeah, this, I'm getting this genius nut. What are you, hacking parenting? Get the fuck out of here, man. Life hack. Fuck a dude. Yeah. Oh, my kid's a genius. I bought dope nut. Where'd you get it? The back of Cosmo. <laughs> Zytech, the best nut. So I guess, I guess uh, like some, some mother of one of these kids started messaging other mothers of his nut. <laughs> and being like, yo, do you know who this motherfucker is? Because they showed us the email. And then they looked him up and he's 
total psychopath. <laughs> so then everybody started suing him. All the kids now are like toddler age to 12 years old. And? <laughs> and yikes. They're all selling their nut. <laughs> but he would, he, but, but. <laughs> the kids? Yeah, it's like an Amway pyramid scheme of nut. You, you sell your nut, they, those kids sell their nut, and they tell three friends. They were, they were born to do it. You nut it forward. But like they have audio recordings of the other people, at the people at the Zytex company that were saying, like, this dude's legit. They're like, this dude is awesome. And he was just faking it. Because he had like delusions of grandeur and shit, you know what I mean? Which is very, like, talking is so fucking convincing. You know, like, you can just... You can get away with so much shit by talking. Yeah. You're like, no, dude, I speak five languages, homie. I'm working on this PhD. You don't even know, man. Like, fucking for real, my nut is dope. You know? <laughs> but meanwhile, you're an ex-con schizophrenic. <laughs> but he has delusions of grandeur, right? Which is one of the funniest mental illnesses ever. Yes. My homie back home, he was like, his, his mom started dating this dude and uh, she had a kid that like lived at home and he was like in pajamas all the time, you know? And he had delusions of grandeur and he would come down to dinner and he'd be like, yeah, so I'm thinking about selling this property I got on the moon. <laughs> and like, and like, his dad was like too nice about the, the delusions. He was like, son, I don't think you have any property on the moon. And he was like, fuck you, you know I do. You get all worked up about it and crazy. So this guy, <laughs> This guy started, he started, he just like, he started getting sued like crazy. And just recently he gave himself up to the authorities being like, yeah, I committed fraudulent nutting or whatever. But like, is, but is he even really at fault? Like, isn't the company at fault? Like this, this company would also, the nut broker, they would advertise to college students and say, get ready to go from ramen to steak. Like come and sell us your dope ass nut. But like, I mean, guys, tell me what you think. Don't you think boutique nut shopping is kind of whack as fuck? Don't you think, like, I mean, if you couldn't have a kid, you would be like, well, at least I know Gary. Like, that's something. Like, what are you trying to do? Just get a genius kid out of... Yes. <laughs> no. That's what people do. No, you can't. I don't think you can. I don't think you can do that. I don't think that's good. No, they turn away people. They turn away men who are under five six and have red hair. Yeah, and they let this guy in. Well, those guys should lie. <laughs> this, guy, this guy, he made sixteen grand from Zytex selling his nut. How many loads? <laughs> I don't know. What's the per load? What's the dude? I don't know. Dude. I don't know. But like, do you want to find out? Holy fucking shit! This is. I mean, like, get a friend to donate, right? Yeah. How do you think you're getting pristine nut when it's a guy who's like, I could jerk off in a cup and get money, right? Well, yeah. This, oh, yeah. Well, is is a guy working on a PhD really going to be like, can I get 15 bucks for the nut? <laughs> yes. Really? I think this is the time for me to admit that I was a sperm donor at UCLA. <laughs> 
Yeah, dude, so was I. I didn't even go there. <laughs> I didn't go there either. I found it on Craigslist. <laughs> That's so gross. I might have se- <laughs> I might have 75 children in the next few years. Right. Well, protect wow. your email. Yeah. Because they yeah. Might be, it goes out. It might be catching up with you. Change it, yeah. Like, I mean, there's no real cost for this company. You know, probably like the liquid nitrogen or something. Well, nut is cheap, right? <laughs> Nuts free, it's but so uh, free. to keep it it's cold, so you got to keep that stuff cold. But you know? this this <laughs> nut was true. going to. It's from Athens, Georgia, right? It's going to San Francisco. It's going to Canada. Wait, they're they're international international nutting. nut company. <laughs> they should be called the International. <laughs> <laughs> like. In her national... Uh, uh, Gay men can have children, too. They can have surrogate children. Yeah, but it's it's gotta go in her. Oh, you're right, you're right. You you win this round. (laughs) Thanks. I don't know what's going on in this roulette of piss, but I'm just trying it out. You know what I mean? It's all of our piss. So this case is still going on. I don't know if he's gonna get prosecuted. I think the Zytex Corporation is gonna get sued like crazy because... A bunch of these kids might be super crazy. There's 36 of them. Jesus. But also, don't get nut through the mail. Yeah. Yeah. I'm calling it. Yeah. I'm taking a stand. Yeah. Come get it right here. Get a. F- I mean, like, dude. I mean, like, look around you. There's nut. Listen. If my nut is super bogus, and I want to have a kid, obviously I'll look to Matt. Thank you. Right. It works. But, like, I know you. I don't want to be like, like, let me buy this genius nut. And don't use a middleman. They're just, they, they just jack up the price. <laughs> they don't give, yeah, they, they don't give a shit. Get it straight from the horse's cock. Yes. <laughs> because an actual genius is going to charge so much more than 16 grand, presumably. You hope so. So you can't... would not be jerking off into a cup for money. Right. Well, well unless you know, you're a weirdo. Try it out. Spaz. <laughs> you know? Freak. But uh, yeah, so that's the deal. I'm gonna I'm gonna follow the trial of uh, yeah. Please update Chris Agalis and uh, just don't buy nut through the mail, folks. Buy local. Yes. <laughs> buy local nut. Yeah. Try it out. Try it out. Try it out. John, that was a great story. I love I stories about nut. I, I know. love stories about drugs. Oh, yeah. I love. Um, I didn't know what I was gonna do for this show, and I was like, I just wanted to be able to come. It's very so unbrand. So Ed specifically goes searching. <laughs> you have a Google alert stories. for come? <laughs> huh? Did somebody come? <laughs> Matt, you have a dirty low-down story to tell. I suppose so. Yes. Yes, that's why we're here, folks. Should I do it? Set it off. Okay. Yeah. All right, folks. 1973, who was there? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I'm going to talk about John Lennon. I was going to do like a New York City thing, and then I was like, wait, we're in L.A. Yeah. Big difference. You bet. We're at the Hollywood Hotel of The Hollywood Hotel of Hollywood. In Little Armenia. It's not just a hotel of Hollywood. It's the hotel... <laughs> The one. You guys get it. Thank you. People at home, come here and check it out. 
1973, John Lennon's Lost Weekend in L.A. Shut up. <laughs> we, we do have a mic here if anyone wants to come up and, like, if they have any yeah. thoughts and stuff. Do not try it out. Yeah. <laughs> you can try it out after Matt is finished with the story. Please, if you have any questions, come up to the mic and ask him. Well, I mean, we're close enough you can just ask us, but I guess it's for the recording. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 1973, John Lennon's marriage to Yoko Ono not going well. All right, he's just, uh, he's released uh, three albums at this point by himself. 1970, his Plastic Ono band. 1971, Imagine. These were great, well-reviewed albums. And then 1972, he released an album called Sometime in New York that he made with, like, the Mothers of Invention. It was a half-live album. It was not well-received. Robert Criscow, you know, the Dean of Rock Critics. I always quote this guy to John. He said, half caterwauling live weirdness, half tuneless topical rock songs. That was his review of that. I love the word caterwauling. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but it sounds fun. It's like a cat going ape shit. Cats love that. Yeah. Is that for real? Yeah. Try it out. All right. <laughs> and then... Uh, in 1973, he released an album called Mind Games, which, again, Chris Gow wrote, sounds like outtakes from Imagine and Plastic Ono Band. Ugh. Not a positive review. No. Now, Yoko was tired of him at this point. She, Yoko said she called herself a moving-on kind of girl. Mm. Uh, when she gets, like, bored, she gets, like, tired, she's just like, I'll just cut the relationship off, and I'll just move on. Right. And uh, John said Yoko looks at men, uh, uh, upon men as assistants, of varying degrees of intimacy, but basically assistance. Yeah. And then he said, this one's going to take a pee. And then he left. Huh. It's true. It's from a 1980 Playboy interview him and Yoko did. It's pretty amazing. You should check it out after this. After you're done listening to all of us, I suppose. Right. <laughs> you can look it up during mine. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Eric. So Yoko had an idea. And John and Yoko had an assistant. She was this uh, a young Asian woman named May Peng. And Yoko said, John... <laughs> You and May are going to go sleep together in L.A. for, uh, for a while. This is true. She's, she sent their assistant with John to L.A. so he could realize his life and then come back to her and figure out their marriage. May Pang? May Pang. She's Chinese. Yes. <laughs> you really put that one together, didn't you? <laughs> If you're in the hot Chinese <laughs> girls and you like to fucking fuck good, hit me up, John Lennon. It. Does, does May Peng have a say? Oh, yeah, but <laughs> okay. not really. A say is uh. her friend. In the way that if your boss was like, you're going to be doing garbage work for a while, you're like, right, I guess. Yeah. I try, guess. Try it out. Try it out. Because uh, uh, she said Yoko was like standing behind her one day going like, oh, John and I aren't doing well. And then there was a pause and she said, May, you're single, aren't you? Oh, Jesus Christ. Was this because John was beating the ever-loving shit out of Yoko day in and day out? No one mentioned that in the interview. Yeah, you don't say. There was a, it wasn't like a David Foster Wallace with a bunch of footnotes in it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> BT dubs. <laughs> Rampant abuse. So he, uh, he spent 18 months in L.A., and he called it his lost weekend. Uh, which was uh, from a, his 1945 movie about a, a drunk author. Hmm. That was his hot take on it. Yeah. And he was very productive, actually. He made two albums while he was out here. He worked with Phil Spector, who he'd uh, worked with a couple times. Oh, yikes. Crazy guy. Yeah. So Phil Spector, while they were recording, every day Phil would show up with a different outfit. 
Sometimes he was a ninja instructor. Sometimes he was a surgeon. Sometimes he was a cowboy. Jesus Christ. He brought, always had a loaded gun with him. Always. And he always tied you up and pointed it in your face. Yes. And was like, do the take like I say. <laughs> That's exactly what happened to Lennon. He chased him through the office with a loaded gun. Yeah, he was always chasing people with guns. And then he shot somebody to death. And everybody was like, what? <laughs> What's weird about that? Inevitable. Who would have thought? No, he did it to the Ramones too. The Ramones were like, I don't understand. <laughs> and he was, but he was always tying them up and shoving guns in their I, w- face. I wish he would have shot the Ramones before they sang Steel the Reserve. fucking Steel Reserve jingle. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> <High> gravity. <laughs> I love how your Ramones voice. It's the same voice for all of them. <laughs> it is. <laughs> They're all idiots. So at one point, uh, Spectre just shot his gun into the ceiling a bunch, and Lennon was like, he, he can, you can shoot us, but you can't hurt my ears. Oh, God. And then, uh, then he finished recording, and Spectre took the tapes and ran off. Wow. So Lennon was out in L.A., and he didn't have anything to do, but uh, his old friend Harry Nielsen was out here. Yes. Are you familiar with Harry Nielsen? Harry Nielsen was his, uh, is a very like, uh, amazing piano uh, player and, and songwriter. He could write a song with two notes. Uh, most people know him as the guy who wrote the coconut song, but the lime in the coconut. And that song, uh, you think it sucks, because mm-hmm. like, you just hear it by itself, it sucks. <laughs> but if you listen to the album it's on, you're like, oh, this is fun. Right. Right. That's music sometimes. Yeah, That's yeah, how yeah. music works. It's true. The song is the lime in the coconut of the album. <laughs> By itself, it's mind. dog shit. <laughs> right. But in the that's, context, that's like coconut. Deep. But he did, he did other like big songs that people don't really know him for. And oh stuff yeah, like that. yeah. And he's kind of an unknown hit maker, right? Yeah. In, yeah. Thank you. He has hits, according. Yeah, he does. You can, there's no time for you to come up and say it to the microphone, but. Uh, well, like in, in '68, when the Beatles started their uh, Apple Records company, right. They, uh, they were interviewed by the press, and the press said, who's your favorite American artist? And they said, Nielsen. And they said, who's your favorite band? And they said, Nielsen. And then they said, Nielsen for president. Didn't catch on. <laughs> so John was like, Nielsen's a guy that could fit in. He, he worked on them with the White Album. He made music with them. Uh, he was a prolific drunk. Hmm. <laughs> one, one newspaper during this period, they described Nielsen as a prodigious drinker who also did cocaine. Huh. So he was sober. He was very sober. <laughs> he was entirely sober the entire time. Gotta chop it up. Uh, now, uh, so, uh, so Lennon, he came out here, Playboy, they were asking about this period. They were asking, like, what were you doing out there? And Lennon's response was, he, was tr- uh, he said, I was trying to hide... Oh, I'm not gonna do this voice. He was trying it out. <laughs> he was trying it out. <laughs> He said, I was trying to hide what I felt in the bottle. I was just insane. It was last week and that lasted 18 months. I've never drank so much in my life. I tried to drown myself in the bottle and I was with the heaviest drinkers in the business. Mm. And then Playboy, smartly, they say, such as? And he says, such as Harry Nielsen, Bobby Keys, Keith Moon. We couldn't pull, pull ourselves out. We were trying to kill ourselves. I think oh Harry God. might still be trying, poor bugger. <laughs> God bless you, Harry, wherever you are. <laughs> But Jesus, you know, I had to get away from that because somebody was going to die. Well, Keith did. (laughs) It was like, who's going to die first? Unfortunately, Keith was the one. That's the full quote. Keith Keith Moon died overdosing on a drug to to curb his alcoholism. 
which is is it feels ironic. I don't know if it is, but there's some deep. What, was it? Cocaine? Oh, it is. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't cocaine. No morality. <laughs> So John comes out here, and uh, he's, he's just getting wasted with Nielsen. And in fact, uh, they rented a house out in Santa Monica. is this old Louis, Louis B. Mayer house. And uh, the house was used by the Kennedys when they were having sex with Marilyn Monroe. There's a lot of history there. Right. So cool, dude. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. And they, sh- they all shared the house. Lennon, uh, Nielsen, Keith Moon. Yeah. It was total debauchery fest. Yeah. And uh, so they're working on Nielsen's album, and the first day they record, they finish recording, and as they finish recording, who shows up but Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder? Oh, boy. Who drove? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, they just have a jam session, and it sucks. It's, it's, it's interesting to me that Paul McCartney still wants to hang out with John Lennon. John Lennon said in this interview, he said, Paul would just show up wherever he was and be like, hey, can we hang out for a little bit? Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> that's so sad. We were in the Beatles together, weren't we? <laughs> Poor guy. So this James... Beatles isn't working out, is it? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Do you have any more Beatles jokes? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So this jam session is recorded, and this is literally, this is the first track off of it. You want to snow, Steve? It's going on. Oh my God. The first track is John Lennon offering Stevie Wonder cocaine. Wow. <laughs> Try it out. Try it out. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I don't know. Like, Did they have to like... Aaron, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to Did they have to like roll up the dollar bill for him and point his, point his head down at the table and be like, all right, all right Stevie, now just breathe. <laughs> How does TV Wonder chop it up? Carefully, I don't know. <laughs> He's a professional, you know? Oh, God. He wears a watch. He, wears a, he does wear a watch. He wears a watch. There's a conspiracy theory that Stevie Wonder isn't blind. Yeah. Oh. It's a pretty good one. Yeah. Cover it on Unpops. I have. All right, oh, really? cool. <laughs> Listen wow. to that episode. Hell yeah. Uh, so, anyway, they're just getting completely trashed uh, all the time. And at one point, uh, John Lennon, uh, him and Nielsen go to the Troubadour, and they're just wasted. They're so wasted, that, like, John Lennon, he walks into the bathroom, and he sees a Kotex pad, and he takes it, and he puts it on his forehead. He sticks it to his forehead, and he walks through the Troubadour going, do you know who I am? Jesus. And they say, yeah, you're an asshole with a Kotex pad. <laughs> and then they just give him shit, and uh, according to one publication, he didn't tip and left. Aww. That's Lennon for you. Yeah. Then him and Nielsen go back to the Troubadour one night, and the Smothers Brothers are on stage. Oh, boy. And Nielsen tells Lennon that the Smothers Brothers need some heckling to get started. Oh, shit. And Maypeng described Nielsen's drinking as, he was someone who would drink with you all night, and then would, by the end of the night would try to get you in a fight with somebody. Huh. So he was just goading Lennon. 
and to just heckling the Smothers Brothers to the point where Tom, Tom Smothers said, uh, 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 he said, Nielsen said uh, they need some heckling to get started. Some of the worst language I've ever heard. They had a real buzz on. Cognac and toot, I guess. <laughs> and it was a mess. <laughs> so there's a, there's, public, there's a tabloid publication called, I don't know what it was called, but I thought it was called Jacoba Atlas. <laughs> Turns out that's the name of the person who wrote it. Oh. <laughs> Which sounds like a publication. Yeah. So this was their write-up of that event. They said, finally, the Smother Brothers manager, Ken Fritz, came over and asked Lennon to leave. The ex-Beatle took a swing at Fritz but missed. Fritz swung back. Then Lennon took a glass and threw it at the manager. He missed Fritz but hit a waitress. Yeah. By this time, the bouncers had zero in and Lennon was thrown bodily off the premise. But not before knocking over several tables, trashing several patrons' dinners, but all was not over yet for the Beatle. On the way out, a 51-year-old Hollywood matron attempted to take his picture. Lennon, she reports, hit her. Oh, my God. And she filed suits with the sheriff department. Aww. Lennon and Nielsen then got in the car, and Lennon, according to Nielsen, turned to him and said, like, I wrote this down. This is a good one. He said, I love to get some girls and some acid and fuck them. <laughs> fuck them, John. Fuck them, fuck them. Nielsen called a female friend of his who had some LSD and a girlfriend, and they went over and they fucked for two days straight on acid. Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. <laughs> Where the fuck is May Peng the whole time just watching like, this sucks. <laughs> I'm Chinese. You know, the Smothers brother, one of the Smothers, I think you, maybe you were telling me this, one of the Smothers brothers has a son who's a gay porn star. I did not this tell you great. this. This is great. Oh. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, you told me about it. <laughs> I had nothing to do with my own research. <laughs> and his name is no. Dick Smothers. Oh! Real yeah, name. Clap for that. Yep. Real name. Absolutely. Stage name. Yep. <laughs> Good for him. God bless them all, huh? huh? Uh, so at the end of it, I'll just... Uh, <laughs> Lennon was cured. He, he was over-partying. <laughs> he was. He really, in the interview, he says that it was all too much. That'll he, do it. He said he went back to Yoko, and he said, uh, and we learned it's better for the family if we were both working for the family. She's doing the business, and me playing mother and wife. We reordered our priorities. The number one priority is her and the family. Everything else revolves around that. What family? Well, them, together. Okay. They had a oh, and they had Sean at the time or whatever. Well, yeah. They, well, she right. was... She, fuck Julian. Yeah, fuck him. Hey, Jude, later. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's John Lennon's Lost Weekend in L.A. Oh, yeah. Very nice. Thank you for listening, folks. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. We will be back next week with uh, Aaron's um, Houdini Part 2. So stay tuned. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. Star Games Avenue, a podcast network.